Morning, everyone. Welcome back to Leading Off. I'm your host, Dan Harris. You can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. With me, as always, is my producer and master pastry chef, Brendan Tuma. You can find him on Twitter at TooMuchTuma. We really messed up today, guys. It was a Monday, and there were only seven games. This is when you do a mailbag show. It is Solo Podcasting 101. Now, we tried to compromise, and I allowed Brendan to email me a question, but it was about 17 prospects who won't be in the majors until 2021. So we've just got a nice, tidy, regular show today. But I mentioned on Father's Day how fantasy sports helped me get through my dad's passing a few years back, and that I would tell that story on a future podcast. So if you have any desire to hear some non-news, you can stick around till the end. Otherwise, I promise I will not be offended if you just close shop after you get your fill. And frankly, I'm never going to know anyway, so it's kind of a win-win. Anyway, we're going to start today with my three biggest takeaways, which are Jordan Hicks being diagnosed with a torn UCL in his elbow, Tyler Glass now suffering a setback, and Lucas Giolito not really clarifying for us whether we can start him against good offenses. After that, we're going to touch on anything of particular relevance yesterday before I tell you what to look out for in today's games. But first, I want to remind you about our June contest, because this is the last week of June. So, like, you know, your time's running out. I mentioned that I went to the Red Sox game this weekend with my son, and we had a great time. We spent an inning and a half in our seats, and the rest bouncing back and forth between the Neil Armstrong astronaut dude and the bullpen cart. In the words of Steve Martin in Parenthood, uh, that was money well spent. But the money spent was spent on TickPick my go-to place to get tickets to pretty much any sporting event or concert. And for June, we are giving away $100 in credits on TickPick toward the purchase of any ticket you want. All you need to do to be entered is leave a review for the show on iTunes or Stitcher and send a screenshot of that review to contest at fantasypros.com. That's all. You support the show, you get a chance to win credits on TickPick. Everyone's happy. Except my son, because we left before the Blue Jays came back and beat the Sox, so he's mad at life. So Jordan Hicks went from a triceps cramp, or tendonitis, to a torn UCL in his elbow. That was quite the jump, if I do say so myself. The only remotely positive thing here is that owners learned of the news before lineups locked, so hopefully they were able to make other arrangements. Hicks has not been officially declared out for the year, or told that he is having Tommy John surgery yet, but that is probably just a formality. Depending on if it's a full tear or a partial tear, the Cardinals could opt to try conservative treatment because frankly, whether Hicks has Tommy John surgery now or in six months, he is probably done for next year too. In other words, there is no reason to hold Hicks in either redraft or keeper leagues at this point. So what happens now? Well, when this was supposed to be a short-term thing, John Gant was reportedly set to serve as closer. Of course, on Sunday night, Gant allowed four runs and six base runners in a third of an inning, so there's that. But Jim Bowden tweeted out that Gant will close, so we do have that going for us. And even with Sunday's disaster, Gant still has a 240 ERA and an 087 whip, and he does have three saves already this year. But it's a little hard to see the Cardinals turning the job over for the rest of the season to a guy with a career 368 ERA, 128 whip, and less than eight strikeouts per nine innings. But just to add some cloudiness to the situation, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch reported that Carlos Martinez is likely to see the bulk of the save chances going forward. So that's great. Martinez has been solid. He's got a 3 ERA and a 107 whip. 
and he has excellent stuff, of course. He closed at the end of last year well, and he has pitched back-to-back days three times this season, and he's even pitched three times in a row once. He really wants to start, but the Cardinals are reluctant to make that move. Now here's the best part about this whole messy situation. Both Bowden's tweet that Gant is going to close and the Post-Dispatch's article that Martinez is going to close cite nothing as their source. No quotes. Nothing like that. So we really don't have much to go on here. If you are speculating, you need to add both because we obviously don't have the answer yet. You just have to hope for one to emerge and hope that whichever one it is, you have him on your roster at that time. Also note that Andrew Miller, who has been a bit up and down, may be used against lefties on occasion. And also note that the Cardinals aren't ones to sit idly by, so don't be surprised if they make a move to address their bullpen concerns. In other words, blurg. Tyler Glass now has been diagnosed with right flexor inflammation after he felt discomfort throwing over the weekend. He's going to be shut down from throwing for three weeks and then be reevaluated. Okay, first, go hit a pillow or slam your fist against the table or my personal way of dealing with frustrating news, start cursing really loud in German. Also, pro tip, put on a suit, go out in public, and pretend like you're talking on your cell phone when you do it. No one knows what you're saying, but you're suddenly like this really powerful international player in the financial world or something. That's not really going to be of much use to you, but it'll possibly make you feel better about the fact that we may essentially be done with Glass now as a useful pitcher this year. Let's just deal with what we know about this situation. Glass now is not going to throw for three weeks, so that puts us at July 15th. On that day, he's going to be reevaluated. Let's be optimistic here. Cool, man, your right flexor is no longer in flame. Let's do this. Well, great. We're starting from scratch pretty much and building up his arm. That's what, in a best case scenario, three more weeks, a month? Let's give it three weeks and be optimistic. We are now at August 5th. So that's just a back-of-the-napkin best-case scenario. Eight weeks left in the season. But as you just saw, pitching injuries and forearm injuries in particular do not usually result in a best-case scenario. So even if things don't go totally haywire, you're probably looking at more like a mid-August return for Glasnow. Now look, if you get six weeks of Tyler Glass now, either when you're reaching your fantasy playoffs or you're going for your title, you're going to take that. The guy had a 186 ERA and an 091 whip and strikeouts to spare. So you don't, unless you are absolutely forced to do so, drop Tyler Glass now. But you also don't trade for him. And you also don't count on him for anything rest of season. That is your approach to the Tyler Glass now situation. It stinks. Remember, look classy and scream in German. But at least this likely means that Brendan McKay could be up soon and make a major impact for the Rays. McKay, the two-way prospect, has been excellent in the minors thus far, at least as a pitcher. He's got a 108 ERA in four starts in AAA after posting a 130 ERA in seven starts in AA, both times with minuscule whips and both times with excellent strikeout numbers. If you have not added him yet, there's going to be more hype on him with Glasnow's injury. He's likely going to be up sometime after the All-Star break, if not sooner, and he may have a major impact. Add him right now, if you can. Lucas Giolito has been amazing this year, without question. But coming into last night, he had made 14 starts. Four of those came against the Royals. Two of them against the Blue Jays. Two of them against the Indians. That's 8 of 14 against subpar offenses. Now, he has had some excellent starts against good offenses as well. 
He's got a complete game shutout against the Astros and a one-run start against the Yankees. But as a whole, it's been mediocre. Five runs allowed against the Mariners. Six runs allowed in another start against the Yankees. Three runs over five innings against the Red Sox. And before last night, six runs over four and a third against the Cubs. So I was really hoping for some clarification against the Red Sox last night, and we did not really get any. Giolito was fine. Three runs over five and two-thirds innings, ten base runners, seven strikeouts. But just nine swinging strikes and another four walks, which gives him 11 over his last three starts. Giolito has a 287 ERA and a 107 whip, and he is striking out 11 batters per nine innings, so we might be splitting hairs here. But I've seen some people want to make Giolito a true ace, and because of outings like last night, I am just not there yet. His start on Sunday against the Twins, where you're still starting him, of course, should help give us a little more clarity. But if he struggles there, we're going to need to really reassess if he is matchup proof. So what else stood out from last night's games? Well, Yohan Moncada hit his 13th homer of the year, but his first one right-handed. For all his improvements at the plate this year, Moncada has a 925 OPS against righties, but just a 607 OPS against lefties coming into last night. But his home run off Eduardo Rodriguez was a bullet, and if he can show improvements from the right side of the plate, the sky is really the limit. Steven Matz continued his trend of being unable to pitch in Citizens Bank ballpark. Matz allowed 7 runs and 13 base runners over 4 and a third innings last night against the Phillies. He's now 0-4 with an 8-18 ERA in 6 career starts in Citizens Bank Park. I've been pretty vocal about how little I trust Matz in fantasy this year. He's just not willing to throw his slider, and I don't think he can get by as a fastball changeup guy. As a matchups play, fine but certainly not against the Braves, who he'll take on in his next start. Note that Scott Kingery led off for the Phillies in that game against the Mets, and went 3-for-6 with a stolen base. Considering how starved the Phillies are for offense and their explosion last night, Kingery should stay atop the lineup for a bit. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. hit his 10th homer last night against the Yankees. Nine of those 10 homers have come in the 29 games he has played since being recalled from AAA on May 24th. The StatCast data still doesn't love what Gurriel is doing, though he has increased his barrel rate and his launch angle. But given the run he's on, it is hard to ignore him any longer. At just 48% owned, he is certainly someone who can help at middle infield. And in that Blue Jays-Yankees game, Giancarlo Stanton hit his first homer of the season. There should be roughly 20 more if he stays healthy. John Lester rebounded big time against the Braves, pitching six innings without allowing an earned run while striking out seven. Entering the game, Lester had a 2.76 ERA at home and a 5.82 ERA on the road. Now, despite those splits, I was still certainly gun-shy about deploying Lester against the hottest offense in baseball, but he's probably matchup-proof at home by now. He's going to take on the Reds in Cincinnati next. And Zach Greinke homered off of Clayton Kershaw in the pitcher's duel that wasn't last night. Both pitchers allowed exactly four runs on exactly seven hits and exactly one walk over six innings. Granky struck out six, while Kershaw just two. No analysis here. Granky looked good after a rough first inning, and Kershaw was just battling all night. You're starting both every time going forward. Some final notes from yesterday. Bryce Wilson is likely to start for the Braves on Thursday against the Cubs. Wilson's numbers at AAA are mediocre thus far. A 379 ERA and a 124 whip, 
but he has been much better than that over his last eight starts with just a 249 ERA. You probably don't want to toss him out there against the Cubs, but if he does well, he could earn himself a few more starts. Ross Stripling is set to start today against the Diamondbacks, but Julio Arias could piggyback, so you probably don't want to start Stripling here. But at just 44% owned, you probably should add him now, even if he just stays on your bench for the time being. Daniel Robertson had arthroscopic knee surgery, and he is out four to six more weeks for the Rays. And Diego Castillo has been diagnosed with a shoulder impingement, and he should be back in about two weeks. Castillo is likely to rejoin the Rays' closer committee, primarily with Jose Alvarado, who should beat him back to the big club. Jake Bowers missed yesterday's game against the Royals with an ankle injury, while Cattell Marte and Rafael Devers returned from their respective injuries. Caleb Smith is likely to rejoin the Marlins rotation this weekend after he struck out 11 in a minor league rehab start. Noah Syndergaard is going to make a rehab start today, and if all goes well, he could return Sunday against the Braves. And Mike Soroka looks likely to start on Friday as of right now, though the Braves will make a call after seeing him throw today. This is not a sure thing yet, but it is certainly trending in the right direction. As for what I will be watching for today, it is Adbert Alzale's first major league start against the Braves. I'm in 14 leagues this year, including the great fantasy baseball invitational and such. I own Alzale in 13 of them. My excitement over his debut and recent minor league track record is pretty out of control, and I've convinced myself that he can be a league winner. So expect him to get destroyed against the Braves, obviously. Note that in the only league in which I do not own Alzale, he was added for a preposterous fab bid by my partner in another league, to whom I listed all my reasons for optimism before we made a significant bid in our league. The Perils of Fantasy Partnership Alright, that ends the fantasy recap portion of our show. If you would like to tune out, I hope you have a great day and I will catch you tomorrow. But for those who want a brief story about why fantasy sports is so important to me on a personal level, here you go. My father was a wonderful guy, and we were extremely close. He had been sick, but the whole family thought he was going to be fine. And then one winter day, we got some bad news. He probably had a few months to live. It was December, and I drove home from work, and I was parked outside my house, and I decided to give my close friend a call, and I break the news to him. We're kind of just in shock. Wow, that sucks. How you doing? I can't believe it. Then we kind of hit a pause in the conversation for a few seconds, and I just say casually, yeah, but you know, my fantasy football team is going to be really hard to beat in the playoffs. There was this long silence, and then we just burst out hysterically laughing, just at the absurdity of everything. This was well before my days as an analyst, just a hardcore fantasy sports player talking to his buddy. And for the next 12 days, my friend and I talked fantasy football every single day. Because although my father was given months, he died 12 days later. I talked to my friend the day my father died, when I went grocery shopping for my mother, and he and I broke down our upcoming semifinal matchup. I talked to him that Sunday after picking out my father's casket, because my Michael Vick was being held in check by the Giants before exploding in the last quarter and a half. I talked to him the day of my father's funeral, and we strategized about my lineup decisions for the following week. We talk about my dad, but we talk about fantasy sports. And there were so many moments where we'd say out loud, this is so ridiculous that we're talking about fantasy sports right now. But then we would just laugh hysterically at the absurdity of it. 
that time is a blur for me, but I legitimately feel that I would not have gotten through it if it wasn't for fantasy sports. It's pure enjoyment. It's an escape from reality. It lets us take a break from whatever is bothering us and scream at Tori Lavella when he brings Merrill Kelly out for the seventh inning at 99 pitches just to give up a home run to Kevin Pillar. Enjoy it. Be proud of it. And give your dad a call once in a while. And that's all for today's episode of Leading Off. I'm at Dan Harris 80, Brendan is at Too Much Tuma, and we're generally pretty responsive if you need any advice. Have a great day, everyone. I'll talk to you tomorrow.